You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick reminder for everyone, the Arts Madness Tournament will begin in March when listeners will vote for their favorite artists in a series of head-to-head matchups. I have the brackets linked in the show notes, along with a form where you can predict the winner for a chance to earn a prize. Remember, I'll be using my ad money for the month of February for prizes. So the more you listen, the more I can give away this spring. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Raphael. Raphael was one of the more famous Renaissance artists. He was born March 28, 1483. His father was a court painter for the Duke of the city of Urbino, which is in central Italy. Now, hearing that his father was a court painter, I don't think this next bit will come as a huge shock to anybody. As a child, Raphael learned a bit from his father, but his mom died when he was just eight, and his father died when he was 11, leaving Raphael an orphan. From what I've read, his legal guardian was technically an uncle, but Raphael had already shown a great talent for the arts and went to work um, as an apprentice. When he wasn't apprenticing, he seemed to have stayed with his stepmother, apparently keeping his father's workshop going. Now, for a little background here, first of all, a child at 11 running a workshop seems unimaginable to us today, but you have to remember, childhood was essentially a 20th century invention. There were no labor laws back then. People got into the workforce as you know, teenagers, even a little bit younger. But as far as like the apprenticeships and the workshops, artists were essentially seen as skilled laborers. It was a trade that people learned through apprenticeships. The big name artists we hear about would run a workshop where younger aspiring artists would work to learn the trade. The quote unquote master artist would teach skills to the apprentices and the apprentices would do a lot of the drudge work helping to create the pieces. Raphael learned the business of running a workshop from an early age, and from what I gather, he built up quite the business for himself, directing about 50 people under him at the height of his career. That is significantly larger than even the biggest artists of the day. From what I've seen, it may have been one of the biggest artists' workshops of that time period. Now, on the topic of developing as an artist and going from talented child to legend of art history, 
Raphael apprenticed under different artists. He also traveled around to different parts of Italy, taking inspiration and learning techniques wherever he could. One early influence was an artist, Perugino. Some sources actually say that Raphael apprenticed for him as young as the age of eight, while others say that would have been too young even for the Renaissance, but he was definitely working with Perugino by the time he was a teenager, around 1500. Another likely more familiar artist who inspired Raphael was Leonardo. Leonardo da Vinci was an older, well-established artist by the time that Raphael came to Florence. Raphael learned by studying Leonardo's compositional style, his fumato technique. There are actually several works by Raphael that appear to be based on the Mona Lisa. But today, I want to focus on Raphael's most famous work, The School of Athens. In 1508, the architect Donato Bramante suggested Raphael to handle some murals in the Vatican Palace for Pope Julius II. This was a big break for the young artist. Remember, he was just in his mid-twenties at this point. Being commissioned by the Pope would catapult his career. Interestingly, this was the same Pope who hired Michelangelo to paint the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel. And if you want to learn more about that, I'll link my episode on Michelangelo in the show notes. The School of Athens was painted between 1510 and 1511 CE. It was during the Renaissance as intellectuals throughout Europe were nostalgic for ancient Greece, making tributes to the great Greek philosophers a quintessential Renaissance piece. It wasn't the first piece that Raphael painted for Julius II, but basically Raphael would finish a painting and the Pope would be like, great, now cover another wall, and I mean, what are you going to say, no? The theme of the School of Athens was all about philosophers seeking to get down to the root causes and fundamental knowledge. In this work, Raphael painted 21 of his favorite ancient Greek scholars and philosophers. Now, historians will disagree about how much Raphael really even knew about Greek philosophy, but I gotta pause and just recognize that Raphael, like Leonardo, was more than just some guy who kind of knew how to draw. I mean, 21 ancient Greek scholars and philosophers? Who can name that many ancient Greeks, let alone that all fit into a visual symbol of your ideals about philosophy? In the center of the School of Athens, we see Plato, who looks a whole lot like Leonardo da Vinci. Raphael is said to have put Leonardo's face on Plato as a tribute to the Renaissance great that he had learned so much from. Like Leonardo, Raphael was a Renaissance man working in different fields. In addition to painting, he worked in printmaking and architecture. Now, legend has it, uh, Leonardo is not the only Renaissance great who pops up in this work. Raphael poked a little dig at Michelangelo, his rival, painting his portrait as the face of the philosopher Heraclitus. He's sitting by himself on the steps, leaning against a block of marble. Heraclitus is often called the weeping philosopher due to the sad nature of his work. And Michelangelo was said to have a bit of a temper and to be just a really difficult person to deal with. Quite a stark contrast from Raphael, who was known to be just very happy-go-lucky and affable. Now, with all the different figures in the work, 
The central two are Aristotle and Plato, which is convenient because they're the only two ancient Greek philosophers I know anything about, and I'm guessing most of the world would say the same. Aristotle's the older figure, with gray hair, and Plato, his student, is depicted as noticeably younger. The two of them seem to be engaged in a discussion. It's hard to tell exactly what they're talking about, but based on the hand gestures, I would assume Aristotle is signaling for Plato to look up, or suggesting he's number one as his index finger is extended vertically. Plato has his hand out in the air in front of him. I can only assume as though to gesture, suggesting someone or something was about waist high. Now, addition to the philosophers, we can see statues of Greek gods in the background. Kind of an interesting choice for the Catholic Pope to have ancient Greek gods and goddesses in his work, but to each his or her own. One of them is Apollo, the Greek god of light and music holding a lyre, which is a small harp. The other is Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom, to symbolize an obvious connection to everything else in the piece. The more you look, the more you discover. It's truly an astonishing composition, even setting aside the philosophy and the symbolism. Raphael demonstrated tremendous mastery of linear perspective in this work. It feels like a window into another world. Everything slants toward a vanishing point right about where Aristotle and Plato are standing. This not only helps with a sense of depth, but also leads the eye toward those central figures, emphasizing them as the focal point. Of course, being a man in his 20s, Raphael did appear to push things with a bold little hidden selfie because all young men are narcissists who consider themselves to know everything and think they're on par with the giants of philosophy. Or he was just trying to show a bit of his playful side. Either way, he's in the group with Ptolemy, Euclid, and Zoroaster. While the three of them seem thoroughly engaged in their conversation, Raphael peeks out at the viewer. It's the 16th century equivalent of breaking the fourth wall, like when Jim from The Office would look directly into the camera. All of this to say that maybe even those old dudes from boring art history courses were actually humans with a little bit of a playful side. Now, if you want to learn more about some of those old dudes and the stories that make up art history, check the links in the show notes. And be sure to subscribe to Who Arted on your favorite podcast app. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.